Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Christy. We are having conversations of a not-so-balanced life. Our goal here is to help you get past the good enough phase of life and begin your growth journey. We are a community of women supporting women. All right, welcome. We have a guest with us here today. My Flom is here to speak with us. She spoke with us on an Instagram Live months and months ago. And Christy, why don't you introduce her? Sure, yeah, thanks. So welcome, Mai. Thanks for being here with us today. So she is a career coach for women, and she generally works with underserved women to help them create work situations and life situations where they just feel like they're building a life that they enjoy um, while still contributing to the world. So thanks for being here. Mai, is there anything that you would add to that? Hi, yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is that I work with a lot of women who tend to be perfectionist, high achieving, but who feel resentful and underserved in the workplace and maybe in the personal sphere as well. So I really focus on helping them build a job and a life where they feel like they're contributing to the world, but also have a life outside of work. So uh, yeah, it's been a really gratifying career for me. And I'm so happy to be here with both of you. Yeah, Thank you. This is my first time speaking with my directly. I lived vicariously through your guys' Instagram live. I was like commenting and I, you know, I bought fair play because you had recommended it. So we've read my husband and I've read that together because that's what you had recommended. So um, one of the things that I loved about uh, a line that I read on your website was that you help women work through their workplace resentment and build a fulfilling career. And I I'm so thankful that you're here to speak with us today. So So how did you get into this? So I got into this line of work. I've been doing it for about six years full time. Um, And I just I was working in online advertising. And later I pivoted to nonprofits. I wanted a more mission oriented type of work. And in all my jobs, I just kept really wanting to coach everyone and work on the talent development side and leadership development, but it was maybe like responsibility number seven on my job responsibilities. And I was like, this is my passion. Yeah. So I decided to just do that full time instead of trying to coach all my coworkers like on the side. Mm when no one asked me to. Yeah, so I think that's super powerful. You found like what you wanted to do and what you were good at and what you loved and you made it you made it your career and I love that. Totally. It it took a lot of self-awareness to realize this is the part of the job that I care about and the other things I can do well, mm-hmm. but I don't actually care about them and I think that this is something that I work with a lot of clients um, about a lot of us have a lot of talents and things that we're good at, but just because you're good at something doesn't mean you want to do it. Well, yes. And I feel like that is such a, what is the word I'm looking for? Metaphor for life in general, right? Become self-aware. That is sort of the heart to understanding how to create the life that you want is knowing what you want, right? And then figuring out how to go out and do it. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, totally. That's half of the battle. So one of the things that I'm really bad at that I've been telling Christy, we need to do a podcast. We need to do an episode about this. And she's like, wait for my, let's talk about it with my. So (laughs) one of the things that I'm really bad about doing is apologizing for taking up space. Like I, I generally am like, oh, I'm sorry that I'm in your way, even though we were both going the same direction at the same time. Or, you know, I was, I adjusted my car the other day this weekend. Um, I parked behind somebody just to grab something out of the back and somebody came out to get in their car. And I 
got back in my car, I moved my car two more feet to then get back out and get the thing out of the trunk of the car. When I could have <laughs> just said, hey, I'm just going to be one second. Let me get this one thing. And I am really bad about that. I, I think it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I was thinking about us recording this this morning as I was walking my littlest into daycare. And there was a guy that was probably, I don't know, 15, 20 feet in front of me. And he held the door for me. And the whole time I'm like, Toddler it walking. gives me anxiety because I'm like, I'm like, OK, now I have to run yeah. to get there. And, and I get there and I'm like, I'm sorry. Thanks for holding the door for me. Why did I apologize yeah. for that? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so funny. So do you have any advice for women like me or like us that say, I'm sorry for just taking up space? <laughs> yes. I mean, I, that's classic. And so many of us do that. I think that women have almost gotten so much advice to not do that. Or even what I noticed you saying is I'm, I'm so bad about that. Yeah. And I really wonder what's the effect, right? Because a lot of these things, they're kind of a verbal tick or something we do to feel more comfortable when, for example, someone's holding a door for us and we just feel weird about it. Mm -hmm. And yep. to me, it's always, what's the effect? Like, is this something that is causing you a lot of distress or is it just kind of an annoying verbal tick? Mm -hmm. I think to me, that's the first step is I think so many people just kind of make fun of women for apologizing for themselves all the time. When sometimes I'm thinking, well, is it really a big deal? And sometimes it yeah, is a big deal. Fair. Right. But not I think the first step is not to catastrophize. Like every time I say I'm sorry by accident, I'm this pushover. Right. Sometimes it's just being conscientious. So I think that's the first step. Yeah. If, no, I think know, that's brilliant. I think so. And I read something this morning when I was looking at um, information on kind of this, you know, this area. And it it said that there was a study done, like University of Colorado or something. I can't remember who did it. But it it actually showed that lo women tend to have a lower threshold for what's considered offensive behavior over men. So that's just naturally one of the reasons we're going to be more likely to say I'm sorry, because we're more, you know, more likely to feel like we're going to offend somebody. And I'm like, and I'm inherently afraid of being an inconvenience to people. So I apologize first always because I feel like I could have been an inconvenience to somebody. I feel more okay with being an inconvenience to people these days. <laughs> Same. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think like that's the other, you know, after you first put it into perspective, because I think sometimes we tell ourselves to say sorry less where I'm like, maybe some other people should say sorry more yes, <laughs> and yes. be more empathetic about being an inconvenience. So it's like, is it really my issue or is it a societal issue that other people should be more like me? Right. Okay. So there's that <laughs> kind of reframing, but if you still see where I think where you're saying is like, this is something that's on your mind a lot. You're really scared to be an inconvenience. I can see how that would be distressing to have to worry about that all day right yeah. am i am i inconveniencing someone oh god god forbid i i inconvenience someone then it's really a question of reframing those instances and reminding yourself that it's okay for someone else to be inconvenienced for a few minutes i think that's something that we have to repeat to ourselves over and over and teach ourselves because it, we act like it's it's 
this huge deal if someone else is inconvenienced mm-hmm. by me getting something out of the trunk of my car. I had to do this with parallel parking because <laughs> I'm really bad at parallel parking. <laughs> and, and I had to be like, it's okay for someone to have to wait for me for a few minutes. Like that's an appropriate inconvenience. Yeah. So um, I've actually been doing a facilitator training with uh, through Fair Play, the, the book we talked about. Um, they're now training facilitators to help couples and people work through the program to renegotiate domestic labor. And one of the things they talk a lot about in the training is what would a reasonable person do? What's a reasonable expectation? Mm-hmm. Where is it reasonable for me to expect someone to know how to do the dishes or accommodate me in this way? And when you think about it less an, on a personal level and more as just general it's like yeah that makes sense I would wait for someone for a few minutes I would hold the door for someone for 20 seconds and not think like oh my god I need to hurry up (laughs) yeah um so I find that kind of like reminding myself of that over and over helps me not so and then on the flip side of that my response to I'm sorry is always it's okay even when I've been annoyed by whatever the inconvenience was that they're saying that they're apologizing for I'm so quick to just Mm. say oh that's fine it's fine it's okay yeah, I do that too. Yeah, I think those are two verbal ticks. Like, the I'm sorry yep. <laughs> and it's okay. And I always think part of it, this is something I've just been coaching so much, where I think a part of this is that we don't have a go-to other phrase. Mm-hmm. So we just say it because we don't know what else to say. Well, yeah. And I think it goes back to that, like, when when you're passing by someone and you're like, hey, how's your day? You're not really looking for this long story of how their day is. You're, you know, it's more of like a nice thing to say and like, oh, it's good. You know, I feel like it's the equivalent to that in my head. So my, my, I have a friend who said that instead of saying it's okay to her toddler, she says, thank you so much for apologizing. And then they move on from that. And I'm like, would that be weird if I said in a business meeting, thank you so much for apologizing (laughs) when, you know, somebody shows up late. Like that's an appropriate phrase to say to somebody who's learning how to accept apologies and, you know, learning that whole social construct of apology. I think your, your example there was a good one because I think a lot of us in the business world, like I know if it takes me too long to respond to an email, like my first thought is to be like, I'm sorry, this took me so long. And I've stopped doing that. And I've started just being like, you know, thanks for waiting on me or, you know, not apologizing at all and just going on don't, with yeah, whatever don't address it is. It. Yeah, because... It happens. It happens all the time. Well, we and don't... what's too long? Is it one day, two days, three days? Like, what's too long? Yeah. Too long for you could not be for somebody else. Absolutely. And I think same th- same thing with, like, being late to a meeting or something like that. Like, you know, if I could have shown up on time, I probably would have. That's why you hired me and I still work here. <laughs> Right. Yeah, like it happens. And I think in that situation, when someone is late, I think if it's really okay, if you're slightly inconvenienced, but at the end of the day, it's okay. um, I think it's fine to say it's okay. Um, I guess maybe I keep kind of repeating this, but I think people really hold on to these phrases as like, I need to fix the phrase. Right. Sometimes it's like, do you? Yeah, I said it's, but I do think if someone is really upsetting you, like uh, this weekend, I had to have a really tough conversation with someone and then they apologized. And I had to say, I had to really stop myself from saying it's okay because it was a really big offense. Mm -hmm. So I had to say, thank you for apologizing. I'm still really upset. I'm going to have to sit and think about this, but thank you for apologizing because 
it's not okay. So I think we know instinctively when something is basically okay versus when it's like, really not. This is not okay. And in that case, I think it says like, well, you know, I always I appreciate the apology, and these are the next steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for that. And you don't have to say thank you for apologizing, but I think you can say thanks for saying that. Uh, I still don't want to work with you. Anymore, <laughs> yeah. Fine. I don't know. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is that, yeah, finishes that. So, so I was going to say, so um, my husband has a very different time clock than I do. Like, I, my dad's military. So we were like 15 minutes. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. So I'm very clock driven. Like my entire life, <laughs> I, I have so much anxiety related to being on time and being, you know, by the clock. And, you know, it's okay to, for the doctors to wait, make me wait at appointments, but I have to be there at least on time because I don't want it to be my fault. Again, going back to, you know, this anxiety that I have always. But my husband had to be on a call at 8 a.m. And it was three minutes to eight and he was filling the tire with air in the driveway. And I'm like inside, like <laughs> panicking. And I'm like, so you need to go like set up for your call. He's like, It'll, I'm just going to be a minute. And he finished what he was doing at 8.01. He walks up the stairs and he gets on the call. And I'm like hyperventilating in the kitchen. Like I got hives <laughs> and sweaty because he's late to his meeting and it does not impact me at all. Megan, is this in your <laughs> locus no, of control? No. <laughs> no. I'm the same I'm the same way, not about time, but just about watching people do stuff that I wouldn't do. Like and so many of my clients, this is like a big coaching topic. I have to say, just watching people like do a bad job at something or mm-hmm. do something that you don't find appropriate. And having to watch it. And I think like, at least from everything you're saying, it sounds like you have a lot of empathy. And that's where the I'm sorry comes Mm -hmm. from. That's where the it's okay, where you're really feeling what other people are feeling and also what you're how you would feel in that situation. It's like the feelings flood you. um, And that's a very specific type of um, concern (laughs) uh, and specific type of person. Mm -hmm. Right. Some people just don't (laughs) care. That's a really nice way to say that. That's a really great way to say that. I, 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 Christy can relate to like my, I get like really, like I can't handle other people being late to things, even though it doesn't impact me at all. I think it's funny. Yeah, just watching it. Oh yeah, like, well, so Megan and I were talking about yesterday or the day before about watching like The Office or other shows where people do things that are super awkward and both of us are like, oh God, I can't watch this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's awful. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's it can be like empathy can be such a gift and also such a burden. Um, <laughs> I've been using something. I don't know if you guys follow Dr. Becky on Instagram. She's like a parenting guru that I love. I love a lot of her stuff. Some stuff I'm like, Meh. but she has a trick that I've actually shared with a lot of my career coaching clients with for people with a lot of empathy, where you um, imagine a wall like a real wall uh, going up between you and the other person, reminding yourself their feelings are over there. Their meeting is over there. I'm over here. And, and then I think that it enables you to tap back into what's going on with you. So with a lot of people with empathy, I help them tap into that empathy for themselves. So mm-hmm. like if I was, instead of looking at my husband filling up the tire right now, what if I could look at myself And be like, how is Megan feeling today? What's (laughs) Megan going through? What does Megan need? Does Megan need a snack? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some coffee. Um, And then it can kind of 
like move like move your your focus from this other person because I'm the same way I have which is why I'm a coach I have so much empathy I see someone struggle I see someone doing anything and I'm so focused on them so putting up that metaphorical wall and then refocusing on myself has been a big help with not freaking out that someone is I love I think that's great I love that and I think yeah I think for me reframing my perspective too of like people's feelings aren't necessarily about me or they're not feelings that I need to help them solve like kind of just reminding myself of that has been really helpful but I love the wall thing and then like re mm-hmm. like bringing it back to me because I think that as it, like an as an empath and you are constantly like feeling how other people are feeling wanting to help or at least I want to help all the time but I, I think it is it's important to kind yes. of you know take yourself out of it mm-hmm. yeah definitely so Christy, so switching gears a little bit, you had talked uh, previously, and we've mentioned this on the Instagram lives, but you've talked previously about it being difficult for you to ask for your worth, like negotiating your um, your pay or raises. My, I noticed on your website, that's something that you help with your coaching with the, the women that you help. So why is it that women are inherently reluctant to ask for market value or ask for what they're worth? I think it's it's something that a lot of people aren't taught and women aren't socialized to ask for things in general. Mm -hmm. And also we actually get different types of responses. So I think there's a lot of, I'm not an expert at like why this happens or all of the sociological factors, but I know that sometimes a woman will try to negotiate and get shot down. Um, Like it's seen differently when Mm -hmm. a woman does it than when a man does it. So it's not just that it's like, oh, we're women. Like, why don't we negotiate enough? We should just try it out. It's also that when a woman asks for things, a lot of times she gets a negative response. So it's not it's like evidence based. You have to do it differently and very (laughs) nuanced as a woman to, to get results, whereas a man can just say, I want this and no one's going to push back on that. I would 100% agree that that has been my experience. And the funny thing, I hadn't really thought about it until you started saying those things. I hadn't thought about it in those ways. When I have negotiated with another woman on my, my behalf, I've always gotten what I've asked for. Interesting. When I've negotiated with a man, I've been told no and then had to come back to the conversation multiple times before I got it. Interesting. At work. I'm, j- I'm so specifically talking about negotiating yeah. salary at work. Interesting. I, I find the same. I find that when I'm working with women, they're more quickly to say, yes, you're worth that. And men are more quickly to say, all right, what are you going to be doing? Give me a full list. Give me the breakdown of what you think that that, you know, that uh, price point is going to get you. Yeah, I always think like, <clears throat> who's your... In negotiation, I guess I think of it as an adversary. Some people think of it as like a partner. I, I'm very like sure combative. So I'm like, who, who do I need to convince? Um, but I always think like, what is this person's bias? Like when they see me, I've had certain employers who they saw me as really young. They saw me as this young girl. So they're like, oh, that's cute. You're Ooh. trying to negotiate. Um so I always think, like, what is th- this is a person I need to convince. What's their bias? What's their deal? How do they see women? Mm-hmm. It could be a woman, right, who is very anti-women. Like, that's a whole yep. type of boss who is like, oh, I had to climb my way to the top, so you're yeah. not going to get a raise now. Yep. 
because I had to work so hard. So it's really about looking at the person in front of you and thinking, mm -hmm. how do they see me? Yeah, I remember when I first started, I, my very first job out of college, I was in a meeting and I had a different opinion than the man in the room who was sharing his opinion. And I was called into the director's office after that meeting. And I was explained that you don't do that in meetings. You don't you don't come up to people and disagree with their opinions in a meeting meeting. You need to do that separately in their own office. And I'm like, but it was a discussion about this thing that we're, that we want to do. We were having a discussion and I was, I was quickly told that's not your place. And I feel like, I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. I, I feel like, and maybe, maybe this is me being the optimistic person that I am, but I don't know. I feel like we as a society are moving away from that women should be polite and proper and smaller in conversations, and we're moving more to, no, women have an opinion, and mm -hmm. sometimes it's a good one. Um, I mean, men do too, don't get me wrong. I think we all bring good opinions to the table is mm -hmm. where I'm going with this, but the uh, I feel like as a society, we're moving more towards that, and that's heartening i guess to see that change yeah, it's a good shift i think too totally yeah and i i think like one thing i want to say about that too is there's like layers of privilege that uh, affect how someone responds to you so i coach a lot of black women and there it's like even more like anything you say it's like you're aggressive you are what are you asking for who do you think you are so people have to learn which leads a lot of people to then just not ask for anything yep. because they've had that response they've tried they've followed all of the negotiation tools which a lot of uh, are built for white men mm -hmm. to negotiate with other white men um, and, and then they're told, you know, wow, you asked for that really aggressively. Why do you think you deserve more money? So people have to really learn how to negotiate based on the bias of the other person. And I do think Christy, you're right that a lot more organizations now have people in power. You're negotiating with people who aren't necessarily biased against you like maybe even 10 years ago. So depending on what organization you're in and what the deal is with the, the powers that be, uh, you may be in a much better position. And I'm not saying like you can't negotiate with someone who's biased. It's just a lot harder. It affects. Yeah, it, it just affects how it, the conversation goes. Yep. Yep. And I do I do think like you said, I think, you know, I'm I, I feel like I have a certain level of, of privilege that I, you know, I almost take for granted and don't think about other people's perspectives sometimes just because it's not, you know, it's not the perspective to, like, recognize that not everybody is having that same experience. But. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the things that we talk about on the podcast are, we hope, um, helping women kind of get out of this good enough phase of life and turn their life into something that they enjoy living. And so what in your opinion, what is um, the first step for any woman who's kind of stuck in the good enough? What would you say? Hmm. I think for me, it's always uh, an assessment of what parts of life are going really well and what where there is more struggle. So there's actually like a classic coaching exercise called the wheel of life um, that you can Google and even uh, do it by yourself, where it kind of segments your life into different areas. So like relationships, work, and you can change the, the titles of all the different segments of the pie. It's like a circle with um, pieces of the pie. Uh, it, it can be like spirituality, um, physical well-being. There's different versions of it. But you basically fill it in in terms of like from one to ten, like which parts of your life are full 
and which feel like they're at a three out of 10. And if you do that exercise or some other inventory of stresses or struggles, I find that that is the first step because usually we think, oh, I'm just struggling, I'm just surviving, but it's actually like one pinpointed thing that's an issue. Mm -hmm. Like I've been... Uh, I've been coaching a few new moms recently and they were kind of talking about everything being so difficult. But then when we talked about it, uh, there was really like a list of stressors. One big one was just the number of meetings they were in every day as professional women. So it's like, now we know it's meetings, we can tackle that. Um, right. So to me, that inventory is huge, even just for a lot of times people feel better. Sometimes people do feel worse seeing it. They're like, oh, no, it really is everything. But at least it helps yeah. you see what what is the real issue here? Why are you surviving? Um, it's usually something really specific. Yeah. So so my if if women who are listening to this want to get in touch with you, how does your coaching work? So my coaching is in flux right now because I'm kind of rebuilding it a little bit. But it is one on one with... Okay kind of like coaching packages. So usually people work with me for pretty short amounts of time, just a few months at a time, maybe six months, because uh, I mean, not to, well, you know, I will toot my own horn since we're talking about taking up space. I'm good at what I do and people get results pretty quickly. So I love that. Yeah, yes, like, oh, yes, they do. This is the topic of this podcast I should model. Right. So, own it. Own it. That's right. Um, so they can just check out my... My website, it's uh, myflom.com, which is not spelled how you would think. It's M-A-Y, like May, so M-A-Y-F, as in Frank, L-A-M.com. And that has a little application or contact uh, button where you can get in touch with me. My email is also, it's my at myflom.com, so M-A-Y at M-A-Y-F-L-A-M.com, and... Yeah, so I am. I do have some availability right now, and tends to be on a rolling basis for one-on-one clients. So, yeah, they can always reach out to me. Yeah, thank you so much um, for talking. Hopefully, that you'll come back and join us again at, in the new year. We are pretty close to ending our first season of shows, which is just wild oh, to me. Right? Um, yeah, so we're pretty close to rounding that out. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where the time has gone. So, my if you've listened to our podcast, Christy usually does our you know words of wisdom, some some thought to leave us with um, as our guest this week. Would you like to leave us with um, some final thoughts? I would love to. Um, To me, my final thought is that taking up space and negotiating is not all or nothing. So always ask yourself, what's the effect of this? How big of a deal is this to me? And you can do a little more, a little less, take up a lot of space or just a little more space. And it's all good. It's a gradation. So that is my lasting thought. Thank you so much. Christy, do you have any, you said you had a quote. Do you want to share that too? Or we can, or do we want to do an, am I normal? We can all three do an, am I normal? How do you guys define the, the, am I normal? I was just, it's random. Like mine last or last few weeks was like, I went to the dentist and I loved it because my teeth feel clean. Am I normal? Mm. Or Megan was like, I'm trying to think of your last one. I don't know. My last one was the, the when I watch movies, I have to turn it off if it's getting to an embarrassing part, like especially in comedies. I have a good one this week. Right. So I'll, I'll go okay. first. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is how I come up with my am I normals. I, throughout my day, if there's something that I do where I, I question if this <laughs> is something other people do, I write it down on the list. And so 
here's me last night walking into this dark space. I, before I turn the lights on, I look for shadows outside the windows and in the room. So I'm not surprised if there's actually someone standing there when I turn the light on. Is that normal? <laughs> do other people do that? I'm going to say hard no on this one. <laughs> I do that too. I think you and I have a lot in common. I think maybe that's normal for women with anxiety. <laughs> yes. Or who watches a lot of like murder shows. Oh, like I'm always looking for the bad guy in the yeah. room. Like there's somebody hiding somewhere. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> You're not afraid when you walk into a dark room that somebody is hiding behind something to scare you or something? Mm-mm. No? You have no fear? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm no, so that's jealous. amazing. Maybe you should start doing it after today. I, I know, mean. right? Like you guys, you guys are going to freak me out in my own house. Stop it. <laughs> Do you check your back seat when you get into your car at night? Do you like check your back seat? I have done. Yes. But I, yeah. So I am surprised I don't share the fear of the dark. That just seems like I would have, especially with, you know, liking murder mystery shows and stuff. But, you know, you know what I thought of when we were talking about this as being 80s, 90s kids, we had the D.A.R.E. program in school. And I feel like they were always talking about fire safety and I really thought I was going to be on fire a lot more as an (laughs) but so far zero times stop drop and roll friends (laughs) yeah that was something when we when I moved to the U.S. I was like wow they're really concerned about (laughs) wait 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 we can't move on from that because when I moved into this house after we had kids we have two stories when I moved into this house I got one of those ladders that goes out the window (laughs) In the event that my house were to catch on fire, we are safe. We do practice fire drills. I don't know why I'm terrified of that, but I totally am. I that that is smart. I have I'm surprised I don't because I grew up with a dad who was a firefighter, but we were doing am I normal? Your turn, Christy. I, I thought of one if you want me to go first. So this is like definitely I am not normal because everyone talks to me about how this is not normal. A lot of times, instead <laughs> of watching TV shows, I just read the Wikipedia. So I'm caught up on succession. I'm caught up. I know what, what is going on in so many TV shows. I do that too. Movies. I'm not going to watch them. I just want to know what happened. And <laughs> Yes. Yes. So I definitely also read Wikipedia. Either if I am, start getting into a show, but then it kind of loses my interest, I will read Wikipedia. To, or, and my husband's going to murder me for this one. because. But there are some some shows and, you know, like we're watching it after it's, you know, after it's come on. So it's plot is on Wikipedia now. And if it's a show that gives me anxiety, like Walking Dead was this for me. Like, you know, if I was waiting to figure out who was going to get killed on an episode, I couldn't. It was too, (laughs) it made me too anxious. So I would go read ahead so I could be prepared and calm during the episode. (laughs) I do that too, especially when I I don't want to commit the time to finish watching this, but I want to know what happens to the characters. I think that's completely normal. Yes. (laughs) Completely normal. (laughs) Oh, who knew? Because my whole family makes fun of me for that. They're like, don't you want to be surprised? I'm like, no. Well, you you found your tribe right here. Yeah, we're your people. (laughs) I feel seen. I feel seen. All right, what's my am I normal? Let's see. Am I normal? I don't even like real clothes anymore. I just want to wear athleisure all the time. I think so. I think that's completely normal. I feel like 2020 Mm. ruined real clothes for me. And this year has not gotten any better. (laughs) It's November. So. 
Totally. Oh my god. I was watching some reality show about some youths. (laughs) Like, uh, it was about like 20-something year olds, and they all were going to these nice parties in sweatpants. I'm here for that. I was like, oh my. Okay, wait. Sweatpants to a party? That's another level, but I think the youths are all wearing athleisure everywhere. Yeah, so there's a lot of reels right now where it's like, oh, when you were getting ready, when you were in your 20s, you did this. And I'm like, God, that was so much effort when we got ready to go out and see people. (laughs) That was so much effort. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what? Yes, for real. So Christy, do you have any final thoughts for us today? (laughs) Thank you for taking us on this Am I Normal journey because I forgot about it. (laughs) All right. So I think my final thought for today is, you know, I really started out today feeling a little blah and I did not use my tried and true shake it out method, even though I should have. (laughs) But this conversation with Megan and Mai really did that for me. It kind of just was a really highlight of my day and a bright spot. And so thanks, ladies. Thanks for being here for that. It was really great. Thank you. Anytime. You're always welcome. (laughs) And I think my last thought for the world is just to know that you're entitled to hold your own space in the world and to take it and know that you deserve it. And if you you need to feel seen, you can email us. Hello at intentionalasamother.com and we will see you. Awesome. (laughs) That was so weird. (laughs) Can we see? I feel like we had to say say that in a different way. That was... Good. <laughs> I'll fix that in editing. <laughs> oh God. If you want to leave us feedback, please review our podcast on whatever app that you're listening to. That helps us. You can also email us hello at intentionalasamother.com or follow us on Instagram at intentional.as.a.mother. And we will see you next week. Bye.